will be uh, and if they Matthew don't see a difference in us, if we're no different from the people from that the they're English hanging out version. with in the world, and Jesus why are they came and said to them, "All authority in heaven Why are they going to listen to us Go about Jesus Christ and, and what He can do nations, for their lives? Baptizing them in the name if of they the walk Father, in here, of the Son, and of the and Holy we're Spirit, just like them. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, They're not. I am with you always, even until the They're end of the They're going to turn age. right back around and go. Because the world doesn't need more world. The world needs more Christ. Let's pray. So let's talk about us. Heavenly Father, you are a great and mighty and, and glorious and are deserve we, we uh, every uh, word of praise that we, we can sing uh, this morning. And uh, we know that you deserve even more than that. And we if pray not, that... Uh, our lives uh, just reflect uh, the words that we are singing, that our hearts and minds are focused on you and on your son this morning. And we uh, thank you for the many blessings that we have, especially being able to gather here uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we uh, we thank you for the good things that we have experienced as a congregation, as a country. We're especially uh, thankful right now for the good report that uh, Chloe has received. And uh, we thank you for that. And we uh, just have so many areas of of, of your blessings of your uh, just of your need and the need of your strength of your encouragement uh, just the need for us to be able to reach out and help in certain situations we uh, pray that we be with uh, Mr. Glenn as he's uh, injured recently and just pray for a quick recovery for him we pray that you be with Bo as he is uh, traveling and uh, encouraging and the work that's going on in Nicaragua right now and uh, we pray that you uh, be with those that are traveling uh, away from us and on on break and on vacation to pray that you give them a safe trip back to us and god we've got many that are sick that are hurting that are are mourning and we uh, just pray that uh, you uh, lift them up that you encourage them that you uh, strengthen them that uh, they go to you in this uh, time in their life and that we uh, as a congregation do what we can uh, to wrap our arms around them to love them uh, and to show them uh, your love. And, uh, God, we've got a community uh, here in Cookville uh, that desperately needs us to live out the verses that uh, we just read. God put it in our hearts uh, to make it uh, so. Uh, put it in the hearts of uh, each of us to, to find those that are uh, that don't have a relationship with you and help them to, to begin one. Uh, help us to encourage uh, that to take place. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Number 622, 622, tell me the story of Jesus. We'll sing the first and third. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings on earth. Tell me the story of Jesus, 
Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love made the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. If you'd like to mark your songbooks, the song of invitation will be number... 272. 272. I have decided to follow Jesus. The song before the lesson will be number 786. 786. Wonderful grace of Jesus. We'll sing verses 1 and 3. If you would please stand again while we sing. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall his praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free. For the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea. Higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea. 
Higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be back together worshiping our God. Hope that uh, any of you who went out of town perhaps for uh, vacation for spring break or that sort of thing had a wonderful time. And again, glad that we can worship God together. If uh, you're our guest this morning, thank you so much for being here. I know it's a few people that I haven't seen in a while, some I haven't maybe never seen. Uh, and we're certainly grateful that you're here. Brothers and sisters, uh, JA family, always good to see you as well. Let's uh, spend some time after services uh, getting to know each other better, especially if you're one of our visitors. Don't rush off. I know you've got a lot of things uh, going on this afternoon. But give us a few minutes of your time so that we can uh, get to know you just a little bit better and see how we can help you. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, what our, our shepherds, our elders, and our ministry team have kind of tried to develop of, uh, of not um, of really just focusing our, our, not narrowing necessarily, but focusing our, our mission, thinking about what are the things that we as the Jefferson Avenue Church of Christ, we as the, the family of God that meets here at this place, what are the things that we really want to focus on, that we really want to make sure that, that everything that we do filters through these thoughts, filters through these verses, and we've talked about already loving God with everything we've got, the greatest commandment. We've talked about the second greatest commandment, that we want to make sure that everything that we do helps us to and shows our neighbors that we love them and we care about them. And we care about not only their physical needs, but certainly we care about their spiritual needs. Uh, last week, Jesse did a great job. I went back and listened to his lesson. He did a great job talking about on being disciples. We want to make sure that we are disciples. We'll talk just briefly about that this morning as well. Uh, but mostly what we're going to focus on today is we want to be people. Here at Jefferson Avenue, we want to be individuals, we want to be families, we want to be a congregation of people who strive to make disciples. Make disciples of people who are already here, but more importantly, based on what we're going to talk about this morning, what was already read to us from Scripture today, we want to go out into the world and make disciples of people who are lost. There are plenty of potential people that are lost out there that need to be uh, followers of Jesus, that need the saving grace, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to be people who, listen... We want to be people who do more than just say that. I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old. I've grown up in the church my entire life. We've always said it. If you've been in church, you've been places where people say, we want to be people who make disciples. We want to be people who are evangelistic. We want to be people who tell our friends, our neighbors, and total strangers about Jesus. We've said those words an awful lot. But we want to do it. We want to be about it. This is who we are. And, and I won't have all the answers and we won't figure out all the details in, in this lesson or in any number of lessons. But, but we just need to know. Now Jefferson Avenue, if you're here every Sunday and every Wednesday and if this has been your home congregation for, for 50 years, then you need to know this. If this is your first time visiting here, then you need to know this. We want to be people and we are striving to be and we are defining ourselves as people who love God with everything that we've got. We love our neighbors as ourselves. 
We want to be disciples of Christ, following him everywhere he leads us, and we want to help others become disciples of Jesus. And everything that we do as a congregation needs to be centered on and focused on that mission. Not because the shepherds think that's a good idea, but because the Bible says that's what Jesus' people do. And that's what we want to do. We want to be Jesus' people. We want to be God's family. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. The Great Commission, you've, you've uh, heard it before. Again, we've talked about it. Uh, this is a verse that, that everybody knows. You could probably quote it to me. But what I want us to do is, is kind of walk through it, talk through it, um, not have a conversation because uh, you won't be talking back to me, but I want you to think about it. I want us to, uh, to have something of a, a conversational sermon. I want you to contemplate and think about and consider the things that we're going to talk about this morning from the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus comes to the apostles uh, at the very end of his time on earth. Uh, some of the very last words that he'll say to his apostles, some of the very last words that he'll say uh, on this earth. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we want to break that down probably in four or five points really quickly. And... and when it really gets down to it, what does that mean to you? Yeah, he was just talking to the apostles on that time, but we can look at throughout Scripture and we can see that clearly this is something that God wants his people to be about. God wants his people to be about spreading the gospel to all the world. And we want to see, well, what does that mean? And, and in the next couple of lessons, if we, Lord willing, and God gives us opportunity on Sundays, we're going to talk about maybe some more details of what that looks like. And there'll be classes and there'll be efforts and there'll be uh, just opportunities for us to do that together as a family, to reach out to our community around us. Uh, again, I mentioned this at some point recently, Sunday night or Sunday uh, morning sermon, but the elders a couple of years ago, they did a, a survey. They had a survey done of our entire community. And some 45,000 people in our community are unchurched. Now, I think, based on the numbers that I've looked at, and this would not be what I would have thought, and probably not what you thought, even if you've grown up here your whole life. That's more than half of the people who live in this community are unchurched. The population of of the county is 80-ish thousand. And if there's 45,000 that are unchurched, and that's over half of the county, over half the people in the county don't have any connection with, or commitment to church. Again, that's, that's not what I think about when I think about the South. That's not what I think about when I think about the Bible Belt. That's not what I think about when I think about the buckle of the Bible Belt. I think most people are Christians. Now, certainly those 45,000, they know about church. They recognize and realize that some of their neighbors, maybe a, a good portion of their neighbors, are Christians. But they themselves don't have a connection. We want to talk about, again, in the next coming weeks, how do we reach those people specifically? But notice that Jesus, when he talks about this this, uh, great commission, he starts with his authority. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's read verses 8 through 11. Now, Philippians 2, I've gone to a lot uh, in in sermons. You've uh, read it a lot. Uh, And normally I'm, I'm focusing on the sacrifice. Because it's a beautiful passage on Jesus' sacrifice, that he gave up heaven to come to earth. He humbled himself by being uh, found as a man and, and humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. But what I want us to focus on in verses 8 through 11 is the authority that that humility and that sacrifice gave to him. That God gives him the authority because of that. Look what it says, Philippians 2, 8 through 11. 
Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, because of his willingness to make this sacrifice, God highly exalted him and bestowed on Jesus the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are on, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." In Romans chapter 14 and verse 9, it tells us that because of the gospel, because that he uh, died and, and came back to life, because of the resurrection, that Jesus is the Lord of the living and the dead. Now, most of us here today, maybe all of us here today, believe in the Jesus of the Bible. We believe that he is the resurrected Son of God. Many of us have committed our lives to him, becoming disciples of Christ, becoming Christians. But he has the authority. And in this instance... At the very end of his life, some of the very last words he'll say to anyone who's following him that have lasted throughout the ages that he is saying to you today, he calls on and he reminds us, hey, do you remember who I am? I'm the son of God. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. You know what that means? He's saying you better listen up with what I'm about to say. And he says, go. And we just take that word for granted because we know this verse so well. Uh, But you've heard lessons about it. We need to go. What that means practically is, brothers and sisters, we won't reach the lost in this building. They're not here. Can I tell you, and I think I've told you this before, people won't come to this building because of doctrine. People who are unchurched, People who aren't committed to to Christianity, aren't committed to spirituality, they won't come to this place because of doctrine. They don't know enough about doctrine. They don't know enough about truth and error in doctrine. You know why they'll come to this place? And we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, Lord willing. They'll come to this place because you have shown them the love of God. Go, go, leave this place. Go into the world and make disciples. Now, again, Jesse did a great job last week talking about what a disciple is. But when we think about this importance of us being people who make disciples, we need to understand and recognize what is a disciple. What is a disciple? Uh, Let let me suggest this to you, that being a disciple is more than just about getting out of trouble. More than just avoiding hell. All right? It's 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 not transactional. But as Jesse said last week, it's transformational. It's not, okay, I'll be baptized if that means I don't have to go to hell, God. Okay, I, I'll, I'll, I won't cuss and I won't drink and I, and I won't have sex outside of marriage because I don't want to go to hell, God. It's not so much about avoiding hell as it is recognizing there is a God worth following. There's a God worth following and we want to be His disciples, His followers. We want to be people who are committed to Him, committed to His ways, committed to His teachings. We want to be His adherents. We want to be people and what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple, what it means for us to to go and make other people disciples is we want people to, to know about this Jesus that you and I love so much and that we need to love so much and that we are committed to and we want them to be committed to being more like him. That's what a disciple is. Discipleship has existed as long as the world has been around. People have looked around them and they've said, hey, look at that person. Look at that guy. Look at that lady. I really like the way they're living their life. 
I really like the way that they're being a mom. I really like the way they're being a dad. I really like the way they're being a business person. I really like this about them, that about them. I want to, to follow them. I want to follow their example in this way. And they've listened to them and they've talked to them and they've heard what they've had to say. They've heard their ideas. They've heard their approach to things. And they have committed themselves because they want to be like them. They've committed themselves to following them. Brothers and sisters, many of you have been Christians for decades. How much more like Jesus do you look today than you did when you first became a Christian? That's what Christianity is. It's being devoted to learning about what Jesus thinks is important and living our lives like Jesus. Now, if you like me could say, I could do, certainly do a lot better then let's do a lot better. Let's strive to make sure that we're being who God wants us to be. Go and make disciples. And then he says, of all the nations. And that reminds us and helps us to know that there's no room for exceptions. Everyone, anyone, needs to be and wants to be and God wants to be Christians. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, some of the, again, the last words that Jesus says to his apostles, he's talking to them, he says, you're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the world. He says, you're going to be, we're in Jerusalem, we're right here, you're going to start spreading the gospel about me right here. Then you're going to expand a little bit more and expand a little bit more and eventually you're just going to go all over the world. And certainly that message applies for us today. There's no room for exceptions. Everyone needs and everyone can come to the foot of the cross. We need to recognize and remind ourselves as we think about we are people who want to make disciples. We're not converting people to us. We're not converting people to be more like us. We're converting people to be more like Jesus. We have to remember that. Now hopefully... Hopefully, we're living our lives like Jesus. You know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Can you say that about that of yourself? Can you, would you be bold enough, brave enough, brazen enough to, to say to someone, hey, you follow me as I follow Christ. Now, that needs to be a goal. That needs to be an, an aim that we have. But we, want, we don't want people to be like us. People don't have to look like us or talk like us or act like us or vote like us or have jobs like we do or live in certain situations like we have. We're not converting people to be more like us. We're converting people to be more like Jesus. Everyone, anyone. And then he goes on to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to underemphasize baptism. I don't want to do that. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says in a, another uh, parallel passage to the Great Commission, he says, Go into all the world, uh, teaching the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved uh, shall be condemned. He, he who has believed and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is important. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, on that day of Pentecost, the very first day, the day the church is, is started, that, that there are people who, who go from whatever they were and they become followers of Jesus, the very first day that it's publicly presented in that way, and the people are told that they've killed the Son of God, and they're pierced to the heart, and they say, what can we do to fix this problem? Peter answers them in Acts 2.38, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The very first time that people become Christians, baptism is involved. As a matter of fact, it's beautiful. You can look throughout the book of Acts. Every person, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again for, for you to remember and maybe for those who haven't heard it. Every person we read about in the Bible who becomes a Christian, we read about them becoming Christians in the book of Acts. And do you know what every single one of them does? 
They're all baptized. They're all baptized into Jesus. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it tells us we're baptized into his death so that we can share in the likeness of his resurrection. Uh, In in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, it says we were baptized into Christ. We clothe ourselves with Christ. Being baptized into Christ is of the utmost importance. And here's maybe the most important reason. In Romans chapter 8, we find two things about people who are in Christ. In Christ, there is no condemnation, Romans chapter 8 begins with. And in Christ, there is no separation from the love of God, Romans 8 ends with. Being in Christ is of the utmost importance. And we need to make make sure and recognize that this morning, if you're here and you're a believer and you're a a disciple, someone who, who, who wants to devote themselves to being a Christian and you haven't been baptized into Christ, then then you're missing something. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't done that, the Bible says the forgiveness of sins, no condemnation. The love of God, no separation, is in Christ. And the Bible clearly teaches. And I'll show you many other verses if we need to, if you want to sit down and talk about it. Baptism is how you get into Christ. I don't want to underemphasize baptism at all. But I'm afraid. In some ways, we've overemphasized baptism. Because Jesus says, Go and make disciples. And sometimes, practically, what we have done in our fellowship is we have gone and baptized people. And we've forgotten about that whole discipleship part. And we've thought as soon as they get into the water and we baptize them and they're saved, and they are, they're saved, then we've just kind of forgotten about it. And we say, okay, well, well, I got my child baptized Or, okay, well, I got my friend baptized, or I got my neighbor baptized, or this person came in, and and we taught them the gospel, and they got baptized, and we're, we're, we're elated about that, as we should be. But practically, we have just left them at that point. But does Jesus leave them there? Is the command from Jesus and the Great Commission to leave them there? He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. First of all, we teach them. We tell them what God says. It's important. They need to know what God says. But more than that, they need to observe these things. They need to follow these things. As we think about we want to be people who make disciples, the question is how? How do we make disciples? And baptism is not the only answer. Baptism is part of the answer, but it is not the only answer. And we have failed sometimes in some ways Maybe not necessarily here, but I think in our brotherhood, systematically in some ways, we have failed to raise people up, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded and continuing to help them to be everything that God wants them to be. Discipleship doesn't stop at baptism. Discipleship begins in many ways at baptism. After I hear about Jesus and I determine in myself that I believe that he is the resurrected son of God and I name him as my Lord and that, that, that makes me a devotee. I, I'm going to, to be devoted to Jesus Christ. And since he told me that, that anyone who wants to be his follower is going to be baptized, then I'm going to be baptized because that's what he told me to do and I'm his follower. I'm his disciple. I want to do what he says. I want to live like he lived. I want to do the things that he did. Jesus himself was baptized. Remember John's response, right? When Jesus came to John the Baptist... And Jesus wanted to be baptized. John says, no, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus says, no, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. 
Being baptized is important, but, but we need to make sure that practically for, for our own, for people who are already here, listen, discipleship is, is an ongoing effort, ongoing throughout all of our lives. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read verses 36 and following. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 and following. Now, for some of us, um, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, you know, it, it just depends on where you're at in life, doesn't it? You know, there, there's some of us that, that grew up in, in pretty moral homes, probably faithful, faith-filled homes, maybe Christian homes. And when we became a Christian in our lives, if we look back, we may, we may struggle to find the difference. What's the difference between my life before I got baptized and committed my life to Christ versus after I committed my life to Christ? What's, what's the difference there? Now, there are differences, and if you can't tell any differences, then, then there's some maturity that needs to keep coming, okay? Uh, but there are other people. There are other people here in this room who, who didn't grow up in a Christian home. They didn't grow up in, a, in, in any kind of faith-filled home. And they come from a, a life where they, they lived a very worldly life and they, they had no faith at all, perhaps. They didn't even believe in God, perhaps. And then they become Christians. And there's clearly a difference. So, so sometimes when we think about becoming a disciple, for some of us, and probably for all of us, there are some aspects of being a disciple that are very easy. Why? Because we've already done those things. That's kind of been who we were before we became Christians. But there are some things, and again, probably for all of us, that are hard. Because we struggle with them or they're different for us. They're they're new. We're we're unaccustomed to them. And Hebrews chapter 10 verses 36 and following says, For all of us as we walk throughout this faith journey, this Christian journey, he says, For you have need of endurance. You see, baptism's not the end. You know, I'm amazed by the sacrifice of Jesus, aren't you? Aren't you amazed by the sacrifice that Jesus went to the cross and died a horrible death, a painful death? But I think I'm even more amazed by the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life. A perfect life. That every time he was tempted just like I'm tempted, every time he was tempted just like you're tempted, he chose not to sin. I think I'm more impressed by that. Now certainly the, the death, burial, and resurrection, I, I have to be impressed by that, and that's what gives me the hope of eternal life, but, but I'm impressed by the fact that, that every single time he was ever tempted, he always chose to do the right thing. The writer of Hebrews says, you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Then listen to what the the writer says about us as Christians. But we, and let this be true of us here at Jefferson Avenue, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Brothers and sisters, if you've been a a Christian for for a day, for a decade, or any, any time longer, you have need of endurance. Because God still expects you to be faithful and to follow him and to be his disciple, to be his follower, to be someone who's committed to living the way he has called us to live even today. God wants you and expects you to follow him. Sometimes that'll be easy. Sometimes that will be hard. But notice what Jesus says right at the end of the Great Commission. And lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a promise. It's a promise that God wants to be with us. Jesus comes to his apostles some 2,000 years ago, towards the very end of his life. 
He reminds them about who he is, and he tells them what he expects them to do. And that expectation is just as true for us today. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the question is that we won't fully answer here. But the question is how? How are, how are we, how are you, going to be who God expects you to be? And God expects you to be someone who goes outside of these walls and makes disciples. This is probably too simple, but it's probably right. How are you going to make someone a disciple? You can't make them, but how are you going to encourage them to be a disciple of Christ? And this may sound a little too touchy-feely. This may sound a little too much like other people and, and other groups, but, but I, I think it's right. You know, sometimes just because another group says it doesn't mean it's wrong. How are we going to help people to be disciples of Christ? We've got to get them to fall in love with Jesus. Why would I deny myself? Why would I sacrifice my wants and my desires? Why would I go the way that's not my way? Why would I follow the narrow way? Why would I have to get out of my own way to to, to get out of of the things that I want to do and go Jesus' way that's going to be difficult, that's going to be hard, that's going to be full of self-denial? Why would I do that? Why does Jesus say that we keep his commandments? John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We've got to help people fall more in love with Jesus. I want to help my children fall fall more in love with Jesus. I want to help my wife fall more in love with Jesus. I want to fall more in love with Jesus. If I want to help someone to become a disciple, I've got to help them fall more in love with Jesus. Again, because especially when we think about people who are unchurched or don't, don't have a, a connection to God, they're, they're not going to follow someone just because of, of some teaching. They're going to follow someone because of who they are. And we need to make sure that we do that. How, how do we do that? Practically, how do we do that? Just two brief points and then the lesson's yours. Two things, your life and your story. Your life and your story. The very first Bible verse I memorized as a child at daycare was Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand so that everyone can see it. Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your life is going to to determine whether or not people are going to be interested in what you have to say. You've heard this phrase before, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we think about loving others and loving our neighbors and reaching out to our community and making disciples, it's going to begin with our care and concern for those people around us. And then if you live a life that that is contrary, you, you claim the name of Christian, but then people know who you really are. You claim the name of Christian, you're here on Sundays, you're here on Wednesdays, uh, you, you wear a Jefferson Avenue t-shirt or have a sticker on your car, but then people know what kind of boss you are, or what kind of employee you are, or what kind of spouse you are, or what kind of neighbor you are, and they're not interested in Jesus, then your life will either help someone become a Christian or keep someone from becoming a Christian. And then your story. 
And again, this, again, I, I grew up in the church, been a Christian for a long time since I was a kid. I, I've got to figure out what difference has God made in my life. And I've got to somehow figure out how I can communicate that to the people around me. And you need to be able to do the same thing yourself. What difference has God made in your life? And how can you communicate? Why should someone follow Jesus? You should have an answer for that. And yes, we follow Jesus in some ways because we want to avoid punishment. We don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. And that's correct. And that's right. And that's, that's good. But is there any other reason you should follow Jesus? Is the only reason that you come to church is to not go to hell? Or is there something more to it than that? Is there a reason more to it than that? Is, is God worth following? And in your life, why is God worth following? And those are the things that we've got to figure out. We want to be people who make disciples. There are literally tens of thousands of people not on the other side of the world, not in a different state, but right here in Cookville. Tens of thousands of people who need Jesus. And you and I are his church. Let's pray. Uh, God, we, we come before you, most of us people who know your word pretty well, have studied it for many years, perhaps all of our lives. Uh, Lord, we, we are people who count ourselves as your followers, as your disciples of those who are devoted to doing the things that you have told us to do. And Lord, you've told us to do a lot. You've told us how to, to live our lives. You've, you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. But probably the most important thing that you've done, you've told us to do, is to go and make more disciples. Lord, we know that. And we've talked a lot about it. God, I pray that not this sermon, but this group of people's commitment to you will drive us to not just say it, but to do it. Lord, be with our shepherds as they lead us in this. Give them endurance. Give them strength. Give them courage to lead us according to your word and to, to lead us to the lost, so that we can share the saving message of the gospel of your son Jesus with them, God. Lord, help us to do that as individuals and as families, to, to reach out to our, our neighbors, the people who live right beside us, our neighbors at work, the people who work with us every single day, our friends at school. Lord, people who, who may be good people according to the world's standards, but they're lost people according to your standards. And Lord, help us to, to love the world like you love the world. Help us to love the world so much that we're brave enough to tell them about your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we plant the seed, we trust and we pray that you will provide the increase. Lord, thank you for your son who gave up everything for a people who did not love him. And Lord, help us to give up our lives for a God who loves us. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, I... I hope this sermon isn't just words. I hope in my life 
I'm better at telling people about Jesus. I hope we as a congregation don't just have these words, love God, love others, be and make disciples, you know, plastered on billboards and uh, our bulletin and, and on the screen. I hope this is what we're really going to be about. But if we are really going to be about it, that means you really have to be about it. Start in some small way today telling people about Jesus. Maybe figuring out what your story is. What, what's, the, what's the difference in your life that God has made so that you can, have, you can be prepared to have that story to tell people when you're given the opportunity. If you're not a Christian this morning, a loving, almighty, all-powerful, perfect God came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and arose victoriously and miraculously from the grave. If you believe that, and you want to follow Him, devoting your life to Him, letting Him be your Lord, then let us know that today. Let Him know that today. Confess that today. And be baptized into Christ where there is no condemnation because of your past sins, and there is no separation from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you look at your life this morning and you recognize you're not following Jesus, make it right. Make it right where you're sitting right now. Make it right when we stand and sing this song. Make it right by coming forward and letting us know. But make it right because one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to hold us all accountable to whether or not we really followed him or not. And we want to help you. We want to help each other. I need your help to be the Christian that God calls us to be. If we can help you in any way, Please let us know as we stand and sing.